Hey, I'm Alan. And I'm Dave. And you're listening to Draw, Roll, Move podcast. Welcome back. Yeah, this is this is episode three. Or, I guess, welcome for our new listeners. Yeah, this is this is now a series, isn't it? Uh, I guess Officially, you could, you could I, say. I guess you could call it a series, more at, than two. At, at least a mini-series. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, let's, hope, let's aim for a long-running series, but it's now at least mini-series territory. Awesome. Okay, so today we're going to be uh, talking about segues. <laughs> a lovely mechanical device that gets you over. gets you from point A to point B. For example, like if you're talking and you're trying to uh, get from the intro of something to, let's say, a topic such as uh, the board game Renaissance, that would be a really good segue. <laughs> but before that, you want to talk about what you've been doing recently uh, in terms absolutely. of yeah. okay. To be honest. With the exception of today, I haven't played a lot of board games. In my gaming space, I, I, I've been playing video games. There, there was two. There was Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Oh. That, that was the main game that I played. But I also picked up on a, uh, a nice deal, uh, L.A. Noir. What about you, Alan? I have been not playing very many video games, unfortunately. For a long time, actually, now. Uh, I've been working on... on the game that I'm I'm working on, uh, the board game I'm I'm working on. What's its name again? Crossroads of Kingswood, and so I've been just trying to uh, refine some mechanics simply because I streamlined and simplified a bunch of things, and I basically broke the game. It wasn't quite as fun anymore, and so I basically had to go in and add a bunch of things back, or at least add in something to make up for the things that I had removed. So it's working out now, and it was actually a big frustration for me. Also, it was a double whammy because while I realized I had broken the game, I was also really sick at the same time. So I felt like total crap. <laughs> like it was like <laughs> twice as, as bad as I normally would have in other instance. Uh, I also played a few uh, new games. Played well, new games for me. <laughs> we we finally got around playing uh, the Agents. Actually, that was just today, earlier yes. today. Yes. And I also played Quarriers for the first time. What was that like? Uh, no, I don't really like it. I felt like it was a lot like a deck building game except with dice. Okay. I love rolling dice, but because you're still drafting things, when you're building something, I like building a deck. And see. the big thing is like when you're building a deck, you get this like shiny piece of new art with each one. Whereas dice, even though the dice had different symbols on it, that doesn't excite me as much as like if you're trying to draft, I don't know, this big, beautiful... Um, eggplant or something it's really cool when you get to to pick it up and then look at it in your hand and you have this like you know did you say big beautiful eggplant yeah that is quite possibly the worst visual that I can ever think of <laughs> I really like eggplant yeah okay well, well if you like, if you like thought, eggplant then it's fun the first thing I thought of was um, a dragon but that was cliche so I went with the next thing that I thought of which was an eggplant don't ask me why that was the next thing I thought of it's but. a big jump one to the other. Yeah, well, I really like eggplant, like I told you. Okay. So it, it, I could see the appeal of it. It wasn't necessarily right up my alley. Okay. That's all. Sure. Yep. So uh, that's what we've been doing. Um, but it's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> this, this, this is an example of a failed segue where was, it just stops halfway through. <laughs> That was a great failed segue. Yeah, yeah. I'm so quite impressed. Yeah, thank you. Um, so 
Uh, so we haven't played a ton of board games, but compared to how how many board games I would have played like 20 years ago, or maybe like 15 years ago, it's a ton. And I think the reason for that is that we're in, as I said before, last last podcast, uh, the board game renaissance. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so wait, let's describe what I mean by this board game renaissance. People have different names for it. Some guys say it's like the golden age, or it'd be the silver age, oh, or the bronze oh, oh. age <laughs> yes. of board gaming. But we're definitely in this upswing of board games, yeah. right? Strong resurgence of, of board games is a... Mm-hmm. As a staple for people's spare time. Yes, and there's so many reasons why you might uh, say this is. We have a whole bunch of new, I guess, the, the Euro games that came over to uh, the States, which just have been going strong for now, like... Oh, it's headed for 20 years. It's got Yeah, be. well, over 20 years, I yeah. think, now, right? But, um, and then you have uh, Kickstarter, which has this giant explosion of the number of games that have been produced and have the ability to be produced yeah. and be... Uh, made, which is the, the amount of exposure that pe- people are getting from from Kickstarter for their new games and new ideas, and then that inspires others as well. It's uh, yeah, it's it's, it's this kind of like yeah, uh, it's just getting the ball rolling and, and growing bigger and bigger. Yeah. Like uh, it's almost self perpetuating in, in that it one person successful with a game which triggers someone who had an idea that was similar or mm. they thought was better to to do the same, mm-hmm. and then that triggers someone else and. And it's, then it gives uh, them great. Yeah, insight or, or, or a new idea to work on and push forward. Just like yeah. in the Renaissance when all these great creators and, and Renaissance men fed off of each other. That's a much better segue. And that's why I call it the board game Renaissance. Yes, it's, yeah. it, it's a strong correlation between the two eras. Uh, even, even, <laughs> well, <laughs> so before we had the general renaissance, now we have the next renaissance, which is a board game one, uh, but roughly equivalent in importance. Well, both, both have uh, strong influences in, uh, well, strongly, <laughs> strongly influenced by art. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I this, love board games, but even I would not say that. <laughs> <laughs> the board game renaissance compares to the real renaissance. Fair enough. And I'm not saying that it does. But there there are similarities you brought yes, brought up. That's why I called the re- the board game renaissance. Yes. So, um there's as we said like a whole bunch of different reasons um or possible reasons why uh the board game renaissance started, but the impact I think is undeniable. Like just the number of board games coming out every year is kind of crazy and maybe it's like the absolute number of board games people are playing is maybe it's not higher than it was before but i guess when you compare it to the previous low of how many people were playing board games it's a huge uptick i'd say maybe the quantity of games like the breadth of games Mm -hmm. that people are playing might not have changed dramatically Mm -hmm. you know 20 years ago from today but the quality of the game Mm-hmm. The depth of the game, mm-hmm. and, number of different type of games, and yeah, and the and the different types of games, but uh, the frequency. Yeah, so um, in some ways you could say that it almost seems continuous, right? But the one thing that I find interesting about our board game Renaissance and why I like to call it a Renaissance is that before the Renaissance there was a period. Of darkness. Ah, <laughs> uh, the dark, dark ages, ages of board games. Or medieval times. Yeah, the medieval ages of board, uh, board games. 
And this was a time we went through that, actually. I guess North America, maybe not Europe. But we went through that because there was this thing called video games that were invented. And a lot of the... Tell me about these video games. Yes. So it's video, V-I-D-E-O. Ah. Yes. So I don't even know if you would call those things video games. What do you call them now? Do you still call them video games? Yeah, I believe they're called video games. Okay, I don't even know. See, I'm totally out of that. I've been totally out of that sphere for so long, I just assumed they must have changed the name. Um, But when video games hit, basically that ate up a huge space that board games used to inhabit. And that's why I say in the 80s, like you had something like Trivial Pursuit, which sold millions of copies, right? Yeah. Like tens of millions of copies. And you'd have, there were board games that played, got a ton of play. But then there was this like giant glut when suddenly video games moved in. This, this is, these are the things that kids started playing together, right? And that carved out a huge space that people used to have board games for. And I think it's... Like, how many kids now play, have mousetrap? I think when I was growing up... Does anyone have mousetrap anymore? Not anymore, I guess. But then now they have... All, like my, my, my nieces, they play iPad games now. They don't have those board games that... My parents used to dump on our laps to yeah. occupy us anymore, right? I think what you're talking about is it's not just video games in general, but affordable video games in home. Yeah. And, and, and every, even to the point where you've got the casual video game. So you have these, these all of these video games that people have started to play. It, it became the norm shifting out one of the traditional areas for board games. Well, like and so that was the Dark Ages, right? It, it, there was this time when you're like, are, are board games even going to survive, or is everything going to turn into video games? And then it turns out we're very like physical creatures, and we enjoy physical things. True. So we can't just always be like doing digital things, especially, as I said, when you work in a digital medium. You want to separate and do physical things for your free time, and I think that's part of the reason why it's enabled some of this renaissance to like, board games to jump back. And get in there, and people are like taking a second look at board games and thinking this this is something they, they can do. A video game is a very singular activity. Even if you're playing a cooperative game that you can do with two, three, four people on a couch, mm-hmm. you're still you're not interacting with each other. You're interacting with with the game itself. Mm-hmm. Board games bring back that social interaction. Even mm-hmm. if the game itself, and I, I know we've mentioned this before is not highly interactive in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I think you've mentioned Dominion is one of those games where even though you're playing together with other people, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of direct interaction. Mm-hmm. You're pretty much playing for individual games of, of cards. Mm-hmm. You still have four people around a table and mm-hmm. by its very nature you're bantering and and uh, making fun of one another and, mm-hmm. and in general just socializing. Yeah. I think, yeah, so that's, I guess, one of the reasons why I think the Renaissance happened. It's just a backlash yeah, of absolutely. the society we now live in, which is, I guess, it's not like 50, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, board games were any different than they are now. It's just that the rest of our lives have changed so much yeah. that to do something that we used to do 40 years ago for fun that is now novel, because all the other things are different. It does feel fresh, yeah. Yeah, it feels fresh again. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know how many times now in, in the office environment... I'll hear someone say, oh, this weekend uh, I'm just going to unplug mm. and and do something with the family. And it, it's it's interesting to hear, mm-hmm. and it's also 
great for this renaissance that we're talking about because people want to find something to do that unplugs them from technology and gets them together with their family and with their friends in such a way that they can actually be social. I totally agree. We've talked a lot about what we believe the Renaissance is and why it exists or how it exists, but uh, what actually got you into this uh, recent board game Renaissance? Well, I actually think it was probably the Comic Warehouse, the weekly games night. And uh, I remember one of the first games that I played there, it was all in German, and it was actually... I didn't know it at the time, but it was called, it was called if you translate it to English, Spacefarers of Catan. You played the Spacefarers version of Catan first? Yes, I in did. German? <laughs> in German. Really? With regular standard playing cards mm-hmm. with a printout oh. of the English rules. So that you knew. <laughs> printed on the front of them. Uh-huh. Uh, and what they did was they just put away all of the... the German material, yeah. and they gave you all of the, the printouts That's cool. at the shop because they, of course, they were huge uh, gaming geeks and mm-hmm. they they were really, really excited about this game, so they got it before it was released in English. That is they, crazy. They actually went to the trouble of, uh, of getting it directly from Germany, I guess, mm-hmm. um, in, uh, in German. That's cool. Now, so I- it was uh, an, interesting, an interesting way to sort of uh, step back into the board. resurgence of, of board games uh, in general. Yeah, and so uh, how I got into it was actually also Catan. I think I mentioned it last time. It was basically one of... It, it was the game that was a hit with all of my other friends who were not into board games. And so they all jumped into this kind of thing and we all kind of explored the board game uh, renaissance. But it's interesting that when we talk about Catan being a gateway game or yeah it really was our it, gateway yeah, it did, well. yeah. like it actually was our gateway. maybe not in the it's same not incarn- a gateway it was it's the gateway yeah maybe not in the same incarnation every time but yeah. yeah and that and, and it's interesting that you said you played a german version um that i think is that that's kind of an example of the the renaissance and that you had these people that went worldwide for games now right? yeah board games suddenly had a worldwide reach and now if you look at it I don't think a lot of people would actually play well you won't have to actually play the non-localized version of your game because they'll do a lot of the localizing when they're publishing the game it's now such a global phenomena and also a reason why uh, we have this board game renaissance is that people can make games for the entire world uh, all at the same time and get the word out through the number of fairs and the internet and all these diff- different yeah. distribution channels. Yeah. Like, well, we've, there's a lot more socialization through internet channels. You've mm-hmm. got Board Game Geek. Mm-hmm. You've got groups on Facebook. Yep. Well, I, what I was mentioning before uh, with regards to that was more about how people got together to play games. And I mentioned things like meetup.com. Yes, Facebook. yes, yes. And the different kind of groups, the fact that you don't even have to go to uh, your friend's basement or bring your own friends now. Like, <laughs> when I think about it, because of this renaissance and because of the ability to find people that are into the same thing as you, I might have went into the board game renaissance anyways on my own. Hmm. Just, I would have done it later and I would have gone to 
to groups that I'd found on Facebook, like Facebook uh, gaming groups, which I actually have gone to uh, a few here, right? And you can meet new people and play games. And there's also a bunch on uh, meetup.com and, you know, there's probably going to be boardgamematch.com very soon as well. Plenty of go fish. (laughs) Plenty of go fish. (laughs) So yeah, so there's the kind of like ubiquity or ability to get games all over the place now you talked about, and that's a great resurgence of games. Um, I guess another thing though shows what kind of renaissance we're in is like the depth of games. So the actual games themselves, sure they're they're everywhere and they're more popular in a lot of different ways, but really what shows the fact that we're in a renaissance is the quality and quantity of games that we have access to now. And I feel like a lot, there, there's some of that is just the technology we, we, that exists today. And I'm not talking about like board game technology as in like uh, mechanics, but I mean the fact that we can have a 5,000 print run of a board game in China and sell it across the world and make it still profitable or at least semi-profitable, as yeah. I've heard. <laughs> or even less than that, a thousand five hundred copies. Yeah, right. You can have a thousand five hundred copies, and because of our distribution channels and networks, that can be a profitable exercise. Yeah, you don't have people. to. You don't have to move a million units before you actually exactly. Make and I'm sure that that technology has a lot to do with the breadth and depth of games we have. Absolutely. Like a lot of the games that are big hits for me and my friends, I'm sure haven't sold that many copies. Whereas, before, like, it would never have been able to be a Milton Bradley game, but because of, I guess, the whole China distribution, the cheap distribution, and then FedEx and everything, I don't know exactly who delivers it, but because of that, I can play uh, The Agents, right? Which was a Kickstarter game. Yeah. Right? And I can play uh, Eight Minute Empire Legends or. Uh, Citadels or Catan or something like that. Mm. There's such small print runs, but they're still profitable. Well, I don't know if Catan's a, short, a small print run anymore, but uh, I, yeah, I get your point. But it started out that way, I think. <laughs> the Let's first just print, say that it did. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. It didn't start out as a game that had to get huge backing from a big company to make it right. profitable, right? Yeah, so I think that is... A big deal, and the fruits that we are able to reap from the modern day technology are the board games that we're playing. Mm. Uh, I'd say we have all these different games that are indicative of the Renaissance. So there are games like with uh, super high uh, polish, games that like Lord of, Lords of Waterdeep, right? It's it's a game that um, I don't think it's anything really brand new compared to the games of the past uh, few years. But what it did, it did really well and very high polish. It looks great. The gameplay is very, very tight. And the amount of polish on that game, I think it's hard to find that in a lot of the older games. I think it was probably pretty important for that to have that level of polish too because it is a property that people care about. Like mm-hmm. Waterdeep is, uh, is a name that resonates with a lot of people that are in the uh, the geek space. And to be fair, the box does say Dungeons and Dragons, so... I was... Yeah. <laughs> I was, so uh, even I if you don't f- know what Waterdeep is... Yeah. But yeah, it's a Dungeons and Dragons game, and I think that they've been hit and miss when they mm-hmm. step outside of the actual role-playing genre. 
mm-hmm. and so it was important for them to get this right because it, like it's not just a D and D property; it's a it's a property that everyone that plays Dungeons and Dragons is aware of. Well, it, it's kind of weird with Lords of Waterdeep. Maybe it's because I'm coming from a, a board game angle, but when I look at a Dungeons and Dragons game. I expect it to be deep role-playing and a very characterful uh, thematic experience and adventure will be a very important part of the experience. And but, I think that from from a role-player's perspective, that that's something that I would expect from a game that had that branding on it. Not so with Lords of Waterdeep, <laughs> which is the thing that threw me for a loop. I expected the Dungeons & Dragons experience. And then when I played it, we played it out, and it turned out to be like a basically a euro, right? It's a it's a worker placement euro. Mm. It's just a really good worker placement euro, like a beautifully put together worker placement euro. Right. And you have this beautiful map of a city, right, where you're placing your guys on little portions of that map, and you, it's it's just very very nice looking game. And it's worker placement. There's no adventuring there's technically you're completing quests but really you're collecting these like meeples like square blocks of different colors i was talking to my friend and saying you know what this game could be equally or maybe even better themed as the city councillors of detroit or toronto or something like that and it might have been a better theme and like you you collect guys to go on quests which are which are like warriors and mages and whatever, but you could have easily said engineers and marketers and like accountants. Whilst the theme would have been more accurate, mm-hmm. I don't think it would move as many units. It might do very okay. well in Detroit. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, maybe maybe that's true. I do know though that the theme did scare off some people. Maybe that. Maybe we're used to it, though. So even if it scares some people off, they'll probably have friends who are into that theme and say, no, 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 no. Even though it says Dungeons & Dragons on the box, you will still like it. It's worker placement. And then the people that are scared off by the theme will come back to it. So maybe overall it was a good marketing push. Yeah, that's un- that's understandable. And like, it, it sounds like you would have avoided the game if you'd just seen it on shelf. Oh, I, I don't like the, the box cover. So I would have. Yeah, so Lords of Waterdeep is really just... One game when I'm talking about polish, but there's like a lot of super polished games out there, yeah, right? It's uh, just the game that comes to mind when I think of super high polish. Yeah, a lot, a lot of it, like even some of the smaller games that aren't going to have that juggernaut of, mm-hmm. of marketing behind them that the Dungeons and Dragons brand is going to have. You're going to have the smaller, almost indie um, game manufacturers that uh-huh. are even achieving the same level of polish, or uh, sometimes. It's hard to say more polished than Lords of Waterdeep, but more polished than other famous games, like games with famous brands behind yeah, backing them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think it speaks to that point that the renaissance of, of board gaming has meant that the small indies and uh, even some of the, the sort of middling distributors and manufacturers of, of board games or designers mm-hmm. of board games get to a higher level of quality because of... Uh, of the Renaissance thing. feeding, yeah, feeding into each other, like yeah, yeah, and the quality just has to be higher. And I guess what kind of allows that also is that these people are willing to pay the money for something that's higher quality. Yeah, and absolutely. so yeah, so, I think yeah. there's a higher disposable income being spent on good quality board games. Yeah, and I, I think so. I, I think you've 
you've bought to a point of old games wouldn't fly today, but some of them are getting that reboot. One that comes to mind is Cosmic Encounter. Mm. Cosmic Encounter is a really old game. I think it's it. Uh, I don't know how old it is. It goes back a long way. Anyways, uh, basically all of the old games that that might have faded away just because board games were not as popular are suddenly having this new lease on life because of the renaissance. And people are saying, well, everyone loves board games, and this is a classic. Why not release it again? Yeah, absolutely. All these new games that are coming out not only have to compete with you know all of the, the new games that are coming out from all these people that have upped their game, they have to compete with the best of the past that has been updated for the future as well. Like That is yeah. great. I guess, pressure to continually elevate uh, the board games that are coming out. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's just, it, it shows that he was this gem, mm-hmm. but now we have so many that are like it mm-hmm. that, that we're spoiled for choice. We really yes. are. We are in a world of gems. Absolutely. And that is great. We're all like dancing around and I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Jazz hands! <laughs> yes! I was going to say, oh, we're like... Um, Aladdin in the uh, Cave of Wonders, but that was actually a trap that you can't touch. So we're nothing like Aladdin in the Cave of Wonders because we can touch and play with the Jets. We're more like Scrooge McDuck in in his his, vault of gold. It's like, oh my god, there's gold everywhere. Not only the old gold and old gems, but the new gems. Yeah, we're really swimming in in luxury. Yes, it is amazing. And uh, so you have these old games, like we said. The counterpoint to that is the new games that are breaking new ground and expanding the market. So you don't, we don't just have a whole bunch of clones of Cosmic Encounter that were kind of like it but just as polished and have minor superficial tweaks. We have new mechanics, like the deck builder, right? Yeah. Dominion. That is the last huge mechanic I, I that see, was inserted into the board game market. I see Dominion as a, a, a simplification of the collectible card game. So much of the enjoyment came out of looking through your cards and putting together that, that mm-hmm. killer deck. Mm-hmm. And Dominion distilled that down in, into a, a single box mm-hmm. and then made it so that every game was that enjoyment of putting together the that best deck. deck. And that's kind of just an example that games and mechanics always build on the thing previously that happened, right? Just like any kind of um, inventions, new mechanics build on something that was previously groundbreaking, Yep, so, um, the Renaissance. Board game Renaissance. The best Renaissance there ever was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a, a great note to uh, finish on. Uh, let's uh, move on to a new segment. Oh, we have a new segment now. We yes. have segments. We have segments. We yes. don't just banter about for however many minutes we've bantered for so far. Well, we do, but we do them in segments now. We also <laughs> talk about. Future Awesome. Yes, what is the Future Awesome out there? And by Future Awesome, I mean the things that are in the future that are awesome. Future Hence awesome. Hence the name. <laughs> yes, Future Awesome. I've uh, now helped to fund the third game in a, I'm going to call it a trilogy, because that's sort of what a third game means, <laughs> okay. in a series of games from uh, Mayday called Hold Your Breath. Uh-huh. I'm very excited for this game. I got the first two. I have Get Bit and uh, Walk the Plank, uh, both of which are great games in and of themselves, but also fantastic games for family play. 
Mm. Uh, they're very accessible for children. You have kids. Means I have kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the final installment has uh, has funded, and uh, I'm getting very excited as the day approaches when I will have it in my hands, and we'll be able to play all three in succession. Get bit, walk the plank, and then hold your ah. breath at one of my family's games nights. So wow. that, for me, that is my future awesome. I'm very That's, much looking forward to that. That is cool. It is cool. And so... I don't have any future awesome in mind in particular. Oh, you know what? This it's not it's not uh, board game related, but Cosmos, the TV show Cosmos. You don't know what Cosmos is? Oh my god! I gotta talk about this. So Cosmos, a show about the universe, and it was originally done like it's, it's like thirty years ago by Carl Sagan. Okay. And they rebooted it and have a new version on Fox. Okay, first of all, it's amazing. I've watched the first two episodes of Cosmos. Right on. Uh, by, uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson as the host. And very few people that I would fanboy over. I, I don't like to think that I would, but I totally fanboy over Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> it's like, it's undeniable. It's like, I could say that I don't, but I do. Okay. Great show. They have like top-notch special effects. And it is amazing. It's on Fox on Sundays, Cosmos. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, if you're if you're a nerd of any type, or if you're not a nerd, still watch it. It is that entertaining. It's not really board game related. The Renaissance, board game Renaissance. I, I'm glad that I'm living through the Renaissance. Renaissance. Um, so that has been uh, episode three of Draw Roll Move podcast. Thanks for listening. Send us any fan mail or hate mail to Draw Roll Move at inthelast.com. I-N-T-H-E-L-A-Z dot com. You can also uh, find me on Twitter at InTheLaz, I-N-T-H-E-L-A-Z. Or you can uh, track me down at Galen Law, all one word. That's G-A-L-E-N-L-O-R-E. You can find all our podcasts and our contact information on our website at InTheLaz dot com slash move. I-N-T-H-E-L-A-Z dot com. And I think that's it.